Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. All right, there we are up to number 10, but we're going to focus on 12 initially. That's the first guy we haven't spoken about on that list that you see, Ryan Tannehill, the 2019 Comeback Player of the Year, and now number 12 on the Chris Sims Top 40 Quarterback Countdown. As Shereen Williams said in 2019 when he was the Comeback Player of the Year, what is he coming back from? Sucking? That was her quote. Not mine. And yeah. she's a staunch Texas A&M supporter. And Tannehill played receiver at A&M before yeah. becoming a quarterback, uh, I think, for a year at A&M and then becoming the eighth overall pick in the draft. I, I've always been a Ryan Tannehill fan. It, it never worked out for him in Miami. The planets never quite aligned. And then he goes to Tennessee and everything falls into place. And here he is entering the second year of a contract that, frankly, is better than Patrick Mahomes better than Deshaun Watson's and he's on a team that was on the cusp of the Super Bowl just two years ago Chris and you've got him at number 12 why do you regard him as being in that sort of echelons yeah well well I mean first off you know the the, the thing we got to do is get over the 2017 2018 narrative that's the first thing like no it's 2021 shut the hell up and Ryan Tannehill's good right get over your old narrative it's over he's proven it wrong and it was better in Miami than people ever wanted to give it credit for as we've talked about a lot anyways but the thing about Ryan Tannehill that I think is amazing and this is one of my quotes on my recent podcast, and I had a uh, one of my homies at Dr. Babies there, you know, he wrote it because I, I said this, like, you know, move the F on. Stop holding. Oh, it's Ryan Tannenhill. Oh, because this was all coming out. Wait, Julio said he wanted to go to somewhere where they had a top, top end quarterback and a big arm. Yeah, Ryan Tannehill is a top end quarterback with a big arm. Maximizes more down the field throws than maybe just about anybody in football. That's the that's the thing people got to get over with Ryan Tannehill. The degree of difficulty in the throws he's asked to make are high. He makes them all the time with ease and doesn't leave yards on the field like we talk about so much, Mike. I mean, he's a good athlete. It's seven rushing touchdowns. He controls the football. He's clutch. 
yards per completion or as good as anybody in football. And you know they're going to throw the ball down the field. And he still throws it down there with great success. So that's where he's really damn good. He's tough. He's able to play in the pocket. We know he can scramble and run and do those things. He's really played phenomenal football the last two years. And, yes, for hands down for me is, is one of the 12 best quarterbacks in football. It felt weird putting him at 12, honestly, Mike. I think his play, you know, in a lot of ways, you could justify him maybe being higher than that. But there's some damn good quarterbacks in football right now. Is it just me or does he look larger with the Titans than he ever did with the Dolphins? Does I, that make sense? I, it does. He I, you looks know, bigger. You know, yeah. Uniforms can do that. And I do think it looks like he's – thickened out a little bit like little he definitely got bigger legs than he did in that Miami Dolphins uniform and those type of things but hey you know he really fits how they want to play you know run the ball okay scare you to death with the run game creep up to the line of scrimmage hey we're going to make you defend the whole field because we're going to throw 70 yard bombs over the top of your head to Corey Davis or A.J. Brown now A.J. Brown and Julio Jones so that's where he's really good we know he has the threat of helping out the run game because he can keep it around the edge on the read option and run for 30 yards down the sideline and do all that. Really has played the game from a mental, physical standpoint pretty top-notch, Mike. If there was one complaint, I would go, he's a great athlete. You mentioned he's an ex-receiver. I think he could scramble and make more plays in the back end you know, than more than he gives him credit for. But, but everything else is, is pretty top-notch, and he's got to be happy with his play the last two years. Derrick Henry has had his best two seasons uh-huh. with Ryan Tannehill as the quarterback. Now, now, he's had a lot more touches the last two years as well. He went from 215 in 2018 to 303 rushing attempts in 2019 and all the way to 378 last year as he became the latest 2,000-yard rusher. How much, though, does Tannehill's presence give rise to what we've seen from Henry? I, I Does th- it happen for Henry without Tannehill? I don't think so. It, it need, they need some type of quarterback like a Tannehill in there for Henry to have, you know, these last two years that we've seen. You know, because really, hey, in, in 2018, you talk about those stats and him not getting as many carries and those type of things either. Hey, well, the quarterback play dictated that. Nobody was scared of the quarterback. Everybody's at the line of scrimmage. So, oh, first down, we ran for nothing. Oh, second down, we ran for nothing. Okay, now third down, we got to throw it. Hey, next time we come out, we now we're punting. Next time we come out, we can't run the ball. We got to try to back these guys off. We can't do it. So there goes two or three carries, maybe more, that don't, Derrick Henry doesn't get. So, yes, I do believe Ryan Tannehill has directly affected uh, Derrick Henry and his success. We know Derrick Henry's the man, no matter who plays quarterback. But Tannehill opens the field up, and he – opens the field up to the point where, yeah, if you do want to put those extra guys in the box, you're you're taking a big chance one-on-one down the field with these guys because Tannehill is not afraid to to pull the trigger on deep throws, and, and he's usually on the money. Okay, a fair question yeah. raised by, by, where is it? Yeah, boy, L. Ray, should there be any worry of Ryan Tannehill having a drop-off with the departure of Arthur Smith former offensive coordinator, now the head coach of the Falcons, Todd Downing takes over as the offensive coordinator of the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, Yes, a little bit. I mean, how can you deny that? But Todd Downing, I think, you know, smart enough and, and playing for Mike Vrabel that I don't think the formula on offense is going to change a whole lot. It's still going to be a run the ball, play action pass, do that type of stuff. 
and work it. You know, where so I'm not necessarily as concerned with that. I, I do guess I get a little concerned with the dominance of the offensive line of the Titans to a degree. Can they continue to dominate the way they have the last few years? You know, Taylor Lewan coming back from injury. You know, the first round pick and Isaiah Wynn didn't come through. You know, they've had to kind of put a t- patchwork together this offensive line a little bit here. But uh, I, I don't think it's going to be a lot of a di- or much of a different look from the offense. And maybe the run game isn't quite what we've seen the last two years. But I would expect this is where Julio Jones comes into play to kind of make up the difference for that. And uh, I, I still would expect this to be one of the more dangerous offenses in football this year. Downing has uh, on his resume worked with De- Derek Carr as the offensive coordinator of yeah. the Raiders back when Carr was an MVP candidate. So that is a feather in his cap. And once Downing lost the job with the Raiders, it, it kind of it kind of bottomed out for him. He's been working his way back right. up. But here he is taking over for Arthur Smith after Smith leaves. It, it, anytime it changes, anytime it's different, that raises a question as to the continuity, sure. the consistency. Can the quarterback continue to develop? Can this coach get the most out of that player. Yeah, but, uh, you're right, Mike. Hey, they're the, has been. Ooh, sorry, sorry, Mike. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just Go saying, ahead. but you're right. They're number. They were the number two offense in football last year. You know, I don't know if everybody realizes that. Sometimes the Tennessee Titans were number two in football behind the Kansas City Chiefs with yards per game. So yeah, the pressure is on. There's no doubt. You're right. There's a spotlight, and if they fall too far, Todd Downing will be the guy that gets blamed. And, and the presence of Julio Jones ramps up that pressure Definitely. for everybody. Yes. It increases expectations for everybody. And uh, you've got a new personality. You've got to get properly meshed with the rest of the team. You have to hope it works. And everyone's assuming it's going to be fantastic. You have nowhere to go but down. I can understand why. You know, we haven't heard a lot from Mike Vrabel about Julio Jones. I can understand why. I think maybe he's trying to – let's take this slow. Sure. I mean, but the, the, we, we can't just assume all of a sudden we're going to be the 99 Rams this year. Uh, and everyone is expecting an explosion from the Titans now that they've gone out and gotten Julio Jones. All right, let's move on to a team that some are expecting an explosion from by virtue of the fact that they have a great young quarterback, sixth overall pick in 2020, Justin Herbert. All those questions about Herbert. My gosh, in hindsight, I don't know. Maybe you could argue he should have been the second overall pick in the draft, if not the first overall pick in the draft. Justin Herbert coming in at number 11, the offensive rookie of the year. It would have been Joe Burrow, but for the torn ACL. Herbert wins it uh, in in a runaway. He got thrust into the lineup after Dr. Needle had his encounter with Tyrod Taylor. And he had five minutes notice for his first NFL start. And he started great, and he only got better as the year went on. He did. And, and listen, I, I don't know. Do you think it would have been Burrow? I mean, I I, I don't know. Her, Herbert was, of course. I think it would have been Burrow. I think it would have been Burrow because Burrow set the narrative early. Yeah, I get you. And if Burrow would have kept playing like he had, I think it would have been Burrow. Yeah, the Bengals and everything like that. Yeah, it had been interesting to see. It certainly would have. I mean, because Burrow, yeah, made some wow plays. We know that. He's right. If he doesn't hurt his knee. He's right here in this conversation around 12, 11, 10, 9, whatever, somewhere in there. But Herbert, I think where you start the conversation is like, like, holy cow, holy arm Batman. I mean, yeah, I, I, you know, he, he's one of the top five throwers of the football in the whole NFL, I think, already. There's no doubt. Arm is wow strong. I mean, you know, unreal size. Can throw the ball any which way in the pocket, you know, the one thing when I went back and watched film, Mike, and break him down, just how many throws 
like off the back foot with pressure around him or the pocket collapsing and he's just unaffected and still throwing a 20-yard laser down the middle of the field, you know, to Keenan Allen or somebody like that. That's where it's really impressive. And he's got great composure, you know, but also with the size and the arm we're talking about, it's a guy who can really, like, run too. And whether it was get outside the pocket, make throws on the run that way, whatever it may be, he can do it all physically. And you saw mentally he was capable of handling everything with it. So the, the sky's the limit. This guy's got superstar talent, and he's a big-time football player, and he's going to be around for a long time. Yeah, hey, look, I agree with you completely. And uh, the Chargers now have to build the team around him to fulfill his promise and allow him to get to his ceiling. And, and, and you know, this is a team that's been to a Super Bowl, right? One Super Bowl, 94, Super Bowl 29. Uh, they've had teams that were Super Bowl worthy. They've, uh, they've had maybe a team that's going to get mentioned coming up here in our draft today that looked like they were on track to a Super Bowl and it all fell apart. Yeah. They go from Phillip Rivers to Justin Herbert. Not a bad passing of the baton. And now we, we just have to see what they can do with it. And, yeah. uh, uh, I, you know, uh, look, it, it, it stinks for Herbert to be stuck in the division with Patrick Mahomes. But as we look for the next Manning Brady, maybe it's Herbert Mahomes since they're going to play each other twice a year every year. I don't think that's crazy. I mean, he has the type of talent to take over football games. And we saw moments of him doing that last year. You know, whether it was the first half of that Bucks game, pressure all around him. He's throwing bombs up and down the field. We saw what he did against the New Orleans Saints. They're trying to blitz him like crazy. He keeps just making a guy miss, throwing, doing stuff like that. To me, Mike, that is the only – I want to see more of a, a presence from his personality this year, right? I mean, we showed our ranking already. You know, this is where Brady got the notch above a Justin Herbert at 10 as compared to 11. You know, presence, leadership, knowing the game of when to take a chance, when to check it down. Wait, you know, we're kind of getting our butts uh, rolled here by the New England Patriots. I need to start making some plays. We're down 14 nothing. I got to just start doing it and push the limit a little bit, get us back in the game. That, to me, is the next phase for Justin Herbert. You know, when you break him down, everything else is really good. It's just now going, exerting yourself, you know, being a leader, having more of a presence on the football field, and knowing when that moment is to go, okay, I have to play maybe a little reckless now because we're not playing good today, and i got to put the team on my back and make some plays happen. And if he does that, he'll be up there in, you know, Mahomes and Rogersville before you know it. And when you are so highly regarded, when you win the Offensive Rookie of the Year, if you stay healthy, you do keep ascending. You do have that aura about you. Even if you don't have to try to do it, you, they're going to listen to you. Uh, and, and look, the personality type has a lot to do with, with what kind of a leader a franchise quarterback is going to be and how much he does set the tone. And, and I agree with you, that's an important part of the skill set. And we don't know yet because it is so early for him. And, and look, in his defense – he played most of his rookie season. Tom Brady was third on the depth chart and yeah, never played. So right. Herbert's ahead of the curve. He's got a head start over Brady. He's got a head start over Mahomes. He played a lot in his rookie year. He was the offensive rookie of the year, and we'll see where he takes it from here. Let's go ahead and take a break. Speaking of Brady, you noticed on the graphic at the start of the segment, Tom Brady at number 10. Plenty of people are upset about Tom Brady at number 10. And Chris has explained himself in other formats on other shows. He gets his opportunity 
to go under the hot light of my interrogation because I'm coming at him, baby. <laughs> Why do you have Tom Brady at number 10? Why are you jealous of I'm Tom just Brady? Jealousy. We'll that's that it. Next it's all, it's jealous. It's jealous. Case I closed. have a crap life and I it. want his life. That's crap. I want his <laughs> we'll life. We'll be back more. <laughs> Well, for those of you watching on Peacock, you just got a little bit of a surprise there. A <laughs> little Simsism. profanity from Chris Sims. Uh-oh. Here's Tom Brady on play until 50. Uh-oh. That's a long time. Even for me, that's a long time. I've always said 45 was the age that I wanted to reach, and that was my goal. This year, I'll be 44. So next year, wait for it, I'll be 45. I've got a two-year contract. I'm going to be able to obviously play this year, and God forbid anything happens, but play next year and then see what happens after that if i still want to keep playing i might be able to do that and if that's enough then that would be enough i think he keeps going chris i just i think he keeps going and uh i i don't think he makes it to 50 but i don't think he stops at 45 either but he stops at number 10 he's in the top 10 at number 10 on the chris sims top 40 quarterback countdown plenty of people are triggered by that they think he should be number one or close to it well, yeah why do you have him at number 10 well that's every year though it, whoever's in the super bowl should be one or two people went crazy when the rams were in the super bowl and i made jared goff 19 now no one banks bats an eye when he's 31 in football like nobody even cares you know it's it's it's, it's the logic there is not always correct tom brady's awesome now again i do my list mike just to reemphasize here it is everybody's playing on the same offense Okay, it's my pecking order. It is, you know, my depth chart at the quarterback position. So you don't get the benefit of the best weapons and the best offensive line and the best defense on your team to make you look that way. Okay, because average supporting cast. Right. It's all average. Right. Right. Now, having said all that, Brady was awesome last year. He was absolutely awesome. Different Brady. Big arm, big throws, power throws, aggressive, you know, got down in the red zone, made a lot of big-time throws down there. That's where it was amazing. And that's where, like, man, I just can't respect Tom Brady enough. The fact that, you know, the two years prior to that in New England, we were all talking about, oh, he just he's unwilling to stand in the pocket or make some of the aggressive throws. He's always taking the easier throw or the higher percentage throw, which, yeah, is good, but, of course, can lead to leaving plays and points and yards out in the field. He didn't do that very much last year. That's where he was special, okay? And, of course, at the end of the year, it really took off. Really, for me, when I went back and watched, it's the second half of the Atlanta game. When they were down, I want to say, 17-something, nothing at halftime, and he came back. That's where the offense took off, Brady took off, and everything like that. And that's where they became special. So uh, it is amazing. And it's amazing that Bruce Arians and Leftwich got Brady to change his mindset and be more aggressive that way. His arm is still top-notch, as we've talked about. Uh, There's no doubt about that. And, gosh, I wouldn't be shocked if he was back in the Super Bowl again this year. But not the number one or number two or number three. Why are there nine in front of him then? Because Tom Brady makes almost zero plays off schedule. Okay? Almost zero. There's, There's none of that. Now, he moves in the pocket well. Yes, we know that. But to an extent. It's to an extent. I mean, Tom Brady, again, when we go back and I really studied it again, you know, listen, I know we can always blame the quarterback for losing a football game. The Bucs lost five games because of Tom Brady. 
I can go through the other great quarterbacks and go, yeah, they might have lost one or two games because of them. Maybe they didn't play their best and they didn't win the game, but they didn't lose the game because of that. You go through both New Orleans games, the Bears game, okay, the Rams game, the Kansas City game, there was blitzes and errant and pressure around him and errant and bad and stupid throws where he made horrible decisions, and that's why they lost the game. Let alone, like we saw, the meltdown in the NFC Championship game, where if they lose that game, to your point, like a week ago, we're all going, I don't know, does Tom Brady still have it? Is he still the same Tom Brady? I mean, if Matt LaFleur goes for it on fourth down and somehow Green Bay wins that game, that's what we're talking about this year. We're not going, oh my gosh, he's the second best quarterback in football. No. So that's where it comes into it. He's awesome, but he needs a certain type of formula around him. I do give him credit. He's not as good as Ryan Tannehill and Justin Herbert, who are behind him. But I gave him the boost in front of them because of leadership, belief, edginess, experience, the thing he does for the football team. But if I put him in situations of some of these other quarterbacks we're in with lack of weapons or lack of protection, come on, get out of here, everybody. So all you idiots on Twitter, whoever else, keep at me. He's number 10. I know more than you and shut up. There we go. Let me just emphasize this point. Always very humble from Chris Sims. Yeah. Let me emphasize this point. If the Packers pull off the come-from-behind win, down 28-10, fueled by three occasions where instead of even trying to make an off-schedule throw, it was – Duck and chuck. You know, just get rid of right. Get rid of the ball before I get hit. Right. He, he reached that point a few years ago, and that's fine. That's fine. Look, it takes a tremendous amount of courage at any age – to play NFL football. No when you're on the wrong side of 40, and, and there are guys younger, faster, and stronger than you that would love nothing more than to, than to turn your body into multiple pieces that need to be put back together again, you do what you, have to can, to, uh, you, you, do what you can to survive. Yeah. And uh, it's not just that he can't make the off-schedule throw. It's when it all falls apart, he's prone to a turnover. Exactly. Because he just has to get rid of the football. Right. Just get rid of it. If it gets picked off, so be it. Happened three times in a row. And, yeah, I, I think people would be saying 10 is too high if the Packers had won that game based upon the way Brady I, played in that game. And then you take away the Super Bowl appearance that actually boosts his estimation. Right. It would have been somewhere between between 12 and 15. Exactly. You know, I mean, yes. Uh, that, and, again, that's not disrespect. I mean, again, I think it's just keeping it real here. I don't. It doesn't make me proud to say this. I know Brady's awesome. I know that. He's amazing. But at age 43, he cannot do some of the things that we talk about so often on this show that some of these guys in front of him can do. But, but yes, there's definite value to, like, you know, the stuff you've brought up so much time, his belief he gave. He was just the right guy for that team. He really was. They needed a little polish, somebody to push them in the right direction, you know, just the right jerk at the quarterback position to get everybody on edge a little bit. And that's where he was perfect for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, he's the man. And I understand his goat, his goatness is always on the top of my mind. But, yeah, I, for me right now, he, and I don't mean to be cocky and a jerk. I understand. I know more than you. I'm, I'm being a jerk. I get frustrated with Twitter and all that sometimes. Not don't, everybody has to agree don't. with me. But I don't I, – I just – I can't realistically look at it at all. Where I will fight back is when people go, oh, I think he's still top five. That's where I just want to, like, brain emoji, blow up, you're crazy. No. You know, I mean, anywhere from 8 to 12, I think you can make a case for, for Tom Brady. For me, he's number 10. 
The intangibles are critical, and they this are. is why I believe that that you know you've got the you've got the folks out there who refuse to ever concede any point remotely close to the notion that wins count as quarterback stats. Great quarterbacks who are great leaders can influence a team to win games it otherwise would have lost because the influence goes so far beyond the decisions you make with the football and where you actually throw the ball and right. whether you do it accurately and with sufficient velocity. For example, two things that stand out for me. One, leading up to the Super Bowl, every night, yeah. texting Amazing. every teammate, we will win, Right. we will win, getting them all to believe we will win. And he's got the cachet. He's got the credentials. He's got the pelts on the wall and or uh, pelts on the horse or whatever the hell the right saying is. And the one I like even more than that, they win the NFC Championship. They're in the locker room yeah, after the game. Devin right. White told this story. Somebody was crying because they'd won the NFC Championship game. And Brady accosted the guy, berated him, dropping profanity on him. Now isn't the time you cry. We still got more work to do. Right. That's the difference between a Tom Brady and... And anyone else. No doubt about it. There's no doubt. That's where he was just the right fit for this football team and what they needed. We knew how talented they were. I mean, we were in Miami the year before, and it still jumps out to me with Matt Ryan at that Super Bowl, right, with the Chiefs and the 49ers. I can remember him talking about that Buccaneers team and how talented they were. And it made me, like, think about it a little bit and go, you know, wait, they, maybe they are more talented. He was like, man, they're one of the best teams we played last year and all that. So they just needed that Brady factor, and that's where he's special. And there's no doubt about it. His arm is still, like, top-notch. Some of those throws he made in the Super Bowl, some of the other throws we saw towards the end of the season, I mean, laser beams for 43 years old, 42, whatever. Amazing. But, yes, 10 because, yes, if things do break down, more bad than good happens. He's not going to get out of the pocket and make something happen. In fact, when things break down, like you mentioned before, he's going to kind of fall away, fade, and just throw the ball and get it out of his hands. And that led to, if people go back and watch, some crazy interceptions during this year. That led to the, their five losses. But, man, his clutch, belief, edginess, all that certainly helped them win the Super Bowl. There's no doubt, to your point. Pete reminded me of the third story I liked from last year when Devin White was snubbed for the Pro Bowl and was grousing about it. Brady said to him, basically, why do you care? That's not the game we're trying to get to, Devin. We're trying to get to the Super Bowl. And again, you have to be Brady to pull it off, but he's got, he's got the ability and the willingness Amazing. to make it work. And yes. that's one of the big reasons why the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl. Let's take a break. There was an epic last-second save on Saturday night by an Islanders defenseman. So we're going to draft the best game-saving plays in NFL history when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. 
The few, the proud, the Marines. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. No icing. Down to five. Puck comes out to McDonough. Has the game on his oh! stick. Oh! What a block in front by Pollock. The Islanders win game four. Ryan McDonough with a spinorama. With time expiring and Ryan Pollock sliding. The spin. Barlamov is out oh. and Ryan Pollock saves. The save of the night. Steak dinner coming for Pollock. Wow. Ryan Pollock pulling one out of his buttocks in order to <laughs> save the win. I always love a play like that, though. The goalie's out of position, and then somebody comes in behind and keeps the puck out. Of course, you can't grab it. And if you watch carefully, he didn't grab it. I thought when I first saw it, he kind of hot-potated it. Yeah, no. You, you get yourself into penalty shot territory if you're not careful, but clean save by someone other than the goalie to secure the victory for the Islanders. So today's draft, best game-saving plays in NFL history. No time for a trivia question. In other words, Pete didn't put one together. Chris, you got the first pick. Wow, you're nice. Thank you uh, for giving me the first pick. You're such a nice guy. I've never taken the first I know, pick when there's don't. no trivia. I know. I'm not nice for calling out Pete, but I'm nice for giving you the first pick. You are that nice. I know. And then I'm going to – well, uh, to me, this is an easy one. Like, it, it's to me the number one of all time. Malcolm Butler's interception for the Seahawks against the Seahawks for the New England Patriots to win Super Bowl Forty Nine for Brady and Belichick to win Super Bowl for uh, their fourth Super Bowl. That to me is still the greatest game saving play I have ever seen. Ever. I mean, it seemed inevitable at that point. Second and goal, one yard line. To, uh, Marshawn Lynch had just run up the middle for like seven or eight yards to play before. And you're just going, well, they're going to get it in. I don't know if it'll be this play or next play, but they'll get in for sure. And to make that play right there, a pick play, everything like that, uh, that was amazing. It really was one of the biggest shocks of my life, I think, just watching a football game where you're kind of like, I had just settled in to go, well, they're going to win. The Seahawks, this is over. They're going to go back to back. This is amazing. And then all of a sudden you had that moment like, what? Holy cow. I'll never forget it. And we've talked about this not that long ago. Jermaine Curse had the catch, the he-did-what type catch yeah. that created the momentum that they're going to win this game. That's it. This yep. is it. That's the David Tyree catch. They're going to win this game. And then it was Curse and Brandon Brown are the unsung hero of that moment. Did not let Curse get through to pick Butler. Browner knew what was coming. Definitely. And he kept Curse from setting the screen and keeping Butler from getting to the ball and uh, I'm surprised that's the first one for you, though. Although in hindsight, maybe but the first one that came to mind for me when we when we 
identified this topic last night was Mike Jones in Super Bowl 34 tackling Kevin Dyson. Yeah. A yard short of the goal line in the Titans Rams game. And and it when you see it it looks like he got closer than he did and there's certain camera angles where it looks like he's just an inch away. It was a yard, but still Getting to Dyson, a linebacker, getting to a receiver and getting him onto the ground that quickly as he's going in for what would have been the game-tying touchdown, assuming that they converted the one-pointer or that maybe they just didn't go for two. Who knows what the Titans would have done, but that would have gotten the game to one and possibly to overtime, which would have been the first overtime Super Bowl of all time. All right, round two, what do you got? Well, okay, here we go. This is where I'm, I'm – uh, because I, I think that was that was the second play that came to my mind was the, the one you just picked. So I, I'm with you there. Um, all right, I think the one I'm going to go with here – I'm going to go with Big Ben and the tackle he had – um, and I'm blanking on the damn guy's name. Nick Harper. Nick Harper. Thank you Nick so Harper. much. Who I played with with the Tennessee Titans, uh, and you know had the. He doesn't like, remember your name either. Well, no, I know he doesn't. He has the wound on his leg, right, as he's running here as well. But th- this is unreal. Pit up. You're going. This game's over. And now you're going. This game's over. The Colts are going to win. He's going to return this. And that might have been the greatest game-saving tackle I've ever seen any quarterback make in their whole life. I mean, got the right hand just on his foot to trip him up. Harper was not at 100% because he did have some sort of gash on his leg. I can't remember how that all went down. But either way, that will always stick out to me as one of the best plays of Big Ben's career. Colts were the one seed. Right. Steelers were the sixth seed. They were up big in that game. Yep. And the Colts, you know, eventually the Colts did what the Colts do. And and Bettis fumbles the ball, squirts up into the air. Would have been the last play of his career. I mean, they still had game left to be played, but that would have been it. He would have been done. Yeah. And Roethlisberger makes that tackle. That That's a good one. I remember watching that live. And just that was just right? one of those oh, crap type moments, although we didn't say crap. Uh, next one for me. I've got a few I can go with here. I'll go with the Richard Sherman tip in the end zone mm. when the – when the 49ers were driving to I think they were down six so they would have won the game with a touchdown uh pass from Colin Kaepernick to Michael Crabtree right the tip by Sherman the pick by Malcolm Smith who would go on to be the Super Bowl MVP that year and then of course Sherman uh given given Crabtree the business both in person and on camera with Aaron <laughs> Andrews afterward memorable yeah. game memorable moment but yeah. yeah great I mean look he makes a great play on the ball otherwise that's a touchdown and the 49ers are going to the Super Bowl yeah great memory great play I mean awesome rivalry those two teams were the two best teams in football and they had to play each other you know twice a year that year three times it, that was hard hitting old school football and uh really intense game another one of those just where you, you'll never forget where you were the moment that all happened everything like that pretty damn cool and of course his rant after is all time i mean all time rant all right i'm going you know i'm going you know me i like to pick uh one that's close to home always with this i'm going to go back to 1989 New York Giants football, all right? Gary Reasons versus the Denver Broncos. 89, Broncos are going to go to the Super Bowl. Here it is. Marlon Humphrey's dad up the middle. Sorry, Bobby. Negative ghost rider. Gary Reasons is there. I mean, this was an all-timer. It was a close football game. You see the ear pad fly out of Bobby Humphrey's helmet right there. But that was big blue wrecking crew type defense right there. Giants won that. 
close one. And if you remember correctly, that's the night some weirdo tried to chop down our mailbox at our house in Franklin Lakes, and that became a big thing that night too. So I always remember that day and that play and everything about it. I, I don't remember that. Yes. I don't remember that. I thought I've told that, that weirdo story. wasn't you. No, it was not. No, we my mom to, we was putting we me in the bed, and today. we heard a chainsaw going. And we were like, "What the hell is that?" And we looked outside. Somebody was trying to cut down our mailbox for sports memorabilia. You have Phil Sims mailbox. So I don't know. Drew Pearson almost had two of the most memorable plays in playoff history because we know very well the one 1975 boom when he pushed off the revenge though came when uh, the catch after the catch the postscript to the catch it's the amazing. 1981 NFC Championship Drew Pearson breaks free under a minute left Eric Wright does the what is now illegal horse collar tackle to keep Drew Pearson. From winning the game, unfortunately, we don't have the video, but you'll find it on YouTube. But yes, Drew Pearson that was amazing. From behind uh, that one, that one was in there just for Shireen because I know that that one still bothers her today. He was Welcome gone. The They're going to win the game, misery. and the catch isn't going to be as good. <laughs> yeah, there was one guy left who may have had a shot. Right, right. May have had a shot at him, but I don't think he was going to get him. All right, we got to go to break. We'll be back to wrap up this Monday edition of PFT Live right after this. Important poll question that I did not authorize on the Chris Sims Twitter account. Is it normal to still be growing teeth at 55, asking for an old-timer friend? The prevailing response, no. I am a vampire, 95%. I, I am not growing teeth. There's a tooth that was embedded in my skull for decades. Well, it grew out it of your gum. Last summer, it was going to try to make its escape. I and mean, it why? Gonna make it's its weird. It's like next Thursday when you're 55, your teeth should be falling out and stuff. That's what's just weird. It should be going the other way. Well, you got you got teeth coming up going. None well, of my teeth are falling out. Maybe I have I have all of my teeth and apparently then some. Apparently, and yes. uh, that one extra one is going to go bye bye in 10. It'll days. help you eat more we pasta and meatballs. You can eat them tomorrow. faster. Have a great day. <laughs> That's offensive. See ya. See you tomorrow. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.